It is such a pleasure to be here. I see so many faces that I know personally, but I also see a lot of new faces that I've never met before. And that's delightful because your church is a thriving, growing church, and that's beautiful. And you have such a sweet pastor and his wife, um, Brother Lester and Sandy. <laughs> From the very first time I ever met them, it is hard not to love them, isn't it? <laughs> they are precious, sweet people. I thank you so much for allowing me to come to present our Ladies Ministries plan to you. Uh, I have been talking about it so much, and I see, and I commend Brother Lester, his wife, and all of you ladies who have got behind this ministry, and you already have everything organized. You're going to go forward, and God is really going to bless you. He is going to cause a great increase. That's what we're looking for. And I know that he's going to do that. I thank you so much. There are several churches in our state already that have already did their organizational plan within their church. And this is step one of what God has given us to do. I want to say that I think you are church number 47 in Virginia that I've been to so far. So it's been wonderful for me. I'm loving it. <laughs> Going and meeting all of the ladies uh, and all of the men as well. But I am mainly here this morning to meet the ladies. I want to get to know you. I want to know your stories. I want to know what you're all about, where you're coming from, what you need from God, what we can do to work together to draw others to God. That is our most important mission here on this earth. That is why God placed us here. And I know that he has something very special for you to do. I will say before I get started, I want a group picture of all of the ladies. If you've been following uh, Virginia Ladies Ministries Facebook page that I have, and then on the church website, I try to post a picture of every church that I go to with all the ladies gathered up front, and you're going to have a really good crowd. <laughs> so at the end of this, if, if I could get all of the ladies to come up, we want to get your picture. Please, nobody leave. I want to get everyone in this picture so they can say, wow, look at Huddleston. Look how many ladies they have. And ladies out there, uh, they, the ushers have been passing out personal information forms. These are very vital to this ministry. We want to know you. We want to know what you do. We want to know your talents, your gifts, your aspirations, everything that we possibly can. Because we're going to use this. And uh, if you'll fill out one of these forms and give it to me before I leave, if you haven't done so already, I already have a large number of your congregation's forms. But if you will fill this out and give it to me before I leave, I will get you recorded. We're putting you in a database. If you don't want your information spread to other ladies who are in leadership, that's mainly where this is going, then you let me know, and we will take care of that as well. Uh, this ministry is going to be opened up from ages 13 and up. That's why we're calling it ladies' ministries instead of women's ministries that we pretty much have gone with over the past. Um, I remember being 13, and I remember that stigmatism of I don't want to go and quilt a quilt. 
<laughs> or I don't want to go to the nursing home, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so <laughs> we need to open up and uh, minister to our young ladies where they are. We want to mentor them. We want to show them that where they are right now, they can teach us something. We're in a different world today, a highly different world. We need to reach out to all facets of all people. And I know myself because um, my husband has a friend that he used to work with, and some of his some of the guys were talking at work one time. I remember him talking about this. <laughs> and he said, this one was talking about, oh, I think I'll look at this woman or that woman or whatever. And this older gentleman said, I don't know what's wrong with all you guys. He said, I get a new woman every 10 years. She changes every 10 years. That's me. <laughs> about every 10 years, you know, you grow older. You go into a different stage of your life. And that's what we've got to consider. We've got to know how to minister to every stage of ladies' lives. God knows how to do it, and he will show us how to do it. This is um, a new appointment, and, and I do want to thank you for the offering. I don't want to overlook that. I thank you so much for your kindness, for your giving spirit. I praise you, and I thank you for doing that. Uh, my husband and I, and this was his idea, um, everything that we've ever done, we have done it um, free for the Lord. <laughs> and we've decided to do this free as well. So uh, the state of Virginia has never had a ladies' ministries, per se, assigned, appointed leader before. And um, Sherwood said, no, we're going to do this free. And if you want to take offerings that are given at churches and, and uh, just tell them to, to keep it or whatever. And Sister Shaw said, well, why don't you ask them to put, <laughs> to put it into a ladies' ministries fund and set up a state fund because we don't have one. We don't have any money in a state fund to do anything for the ladies throughout the state or whatever we have to do as far as expenses are concerned. So if it's all right with you, uh, is it okay if I put this offering this morning in the State Ladies' Ministries Fund? Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It was from that fund that we were able to do the state staff meeting that we had July the 30th. We had 88 in attendance. All of these ladies who were in attendance were staff for Virginia State Ladies' Ministries. Um, some of you may say, well, that's a lot of ladies to have on a staff, but there's going to be more <laughs> because some of these ladies have assistance and they are just as vital. Uh, some appointments are still to be made and they are just as vital. But the important thing is that we are all working for the Lord. I have always, I've been a leader in the church. My dad uh, being here with me. This is Brother Vernell Sides, if you don't mind standing for Dad. He has been a Presbyterian in the state of Alabama for ever since I was born. And um, he's retired now. And he is a wonderful man of God, pastor. Um, in the past, he started pastoring the year I was born. 
and I praise God for him. He's been such a blessing to me, such a wonderful father. I am very blessed to have had such a wonderful father. And my husband, Sherwood, um, if you don't mind standing, Shuggy Wood. <laughs> yes, this is my Shuggy Wood that God sent me from Virginia, and I uh, met him at the assembly, and I have... After we married, I have been living in Virginia ever since, and I praise God for that. I thank God for all of the wonderful friends that I have met. This Virginia State Ladies' Ministry is a new appointment. We know that we have always had women's ministries operating in the background, and we are all usually a spinoff of missions. So Brother Shaw says this is not going to include missions at all. This is a separate ministry all to itself. And I know that's a shocker. I was uh, ladies, uh, no, I was uh, ladies women's ministries director at Lynchburg Church for something like 30 years. And I was also the missions leader for 30 years because both of them went together. Previous to that, I had been uh, a little bit of everything in the church. You know, when you're a preacher's kid, you pretty well learn to do it all. <laughs> so I had done all of these things. But missions is not going to be included. This is going to be exclusively for women, for ladies. I have to train myself on that too. For ladies, for our young ladies up to our ladies who are as my husband's mother is right now, 96 years old. So we want to minister to all ladies. The name has been changed. It's changed to Ladies' Ministries. And I want to see a continual flow of these personal information forms so that we can keep everything updated, know where our ladies are, know what their talents are. Say, if I need an artist somewhere, or somebody in some region needs an artist, or needs a, um, a praise team, like this wonderful praise team that we heard this morning. Didn't they do wonderful in leading us in praising the Lord? Yes, yes. <laughs> then I know where to find them. I am not a leader who uh, wants um, to be just a, a super magnet leader all by herself because I know God put every one of us here for a reason. And I want us to use all of the ladies in the whole state of Virginia. I want to delegate authority. And I want to have all of us working and just bubbling like a hive of bees working for the Lord. I will tell you this, and I have said this in some churches, and you've probably heard it, but I want you to know this. Um, when Brother Shaw showed up at our church on a Wednesday night, two weeks before the state convention, I was trying to figure out why he was there, because it was an unexpected visit. And uh, because I had talked to him in the past, I'm a, a, a Christian counselor as well. I have been uh, counseling adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse for 30 years. And um, I also specialize in marriages. Under that umbrella is just about every type of counseling that you can think of. So there has been times that he has called and asked advice or asked questions about certain topics. So I figured he has showed up. Sherwood said, he whispered to me in church and said, Brother Shaw said he wants to talk to you before the service is over. 
Uh, no, after the service is over. So I sit during the whole service thinking, what is it? I wonder what, what it is. You know how you do. <laughs> I wonder what this is all about. What kind of question is he wanting concerning counseling? What is this all about? Well, I was totally shocked when he asked me to take this position. And I thought he was kidding. And I said, you are kidding, right? <laughs> and he said, no, I'm not kidding at all. I'm not kidding. He said, this is real. I said, do you know how old I am? And he said, well, no. I said, I think I'm older than you are. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was just such a shock to me. But he told me that I could take six months to make that decision. Well, you know, ladies, you can't do that. Who wants to bubble on something for six months? So I prayed and prayed with my husband, and my father was visiting at that time, too, and decided to take that ministry because I had been um, praying, and I had promised God, God, whatever you want me to do, you show me what you want me to do, and I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. When you make that promise, you better watch out. <laughs> But I don't think it's a bad watch out because God needs all of us to make ourselves available to him. And uh, anyway, that is how that appointment was made. But previous to that, four months previous, I had been having spiritual dreams. I don't know if you've ever had them or not. I can tell the difference when it's a spiritual dream. And I would wake up in the night and I keep a pad close to my bed. And I would uh, take that pad and write notes. I had a stack of notes this high. I came back from the, from the orientation meeting with the overseer and his wife after the state convention when they were telling me what I would be responsible for, what I would do. And I walked in my bedroom and the thought came over me of, what now? What now? What do I do? And my eyes were directed to that stack of notes. And there in that stack of notes was the plan that you have. God had it already laid out. He knew what was going to happen. And because it's a God thing, it doesn't have Phyllis's name on it. Because it's a God thing, it's going to work. And because it's a God thing, we are going to unite together as that hive of bees, and God is going to bring us honey like you've never tasted before. He's going to bring us results of our labor. I want this large staff to access all of the God-given talents that are resting inside of you. Callings that are give by, given by God to every one of you, whether you have found that calling or not. Sometimes we search, what is it God has me here for? You know, this doesn't just apply to women, does it, ladies? It doesn't just apply there. It applies to every single one of us. And if we keep God's will first in our lives, everything else falls in place. No matter how busy you are, no matter how much you do, I know that everything else will fall in place. If you present yourself as a living sacrifice, a vessel to be used of God. 
We've already, in the organizational plan, which is stage one, we have already, um, I announced at this staff meeting July the 30th at the campground that we have uh, Shehu ministry and there are Shehu leaders. I'm going to give you a synopsis of how many there are. The Shehu State Specialty Minister, Ministry Coordinators, there are five. There are more that I did not announce that morning. The reason that I did not is because we want to specialize these a little bit more. I will tell you that one of these ladies is going to be she who walks with Muslim ladies. And this come about because I met a lady in Manassas, Virginia, and when I was there that day speaking, there was a Muslim family who had came to church. This lady that I met, she's in her late 20s. She came from Pakistan. And they have been in the United States eight years and have always been Christian people in the, the uh, country of Pakistan. Pakistan has a 20% population of people who are not Muslim. Some of them are Christians, and some of them are something else. So you can see the hard trials and tasks that she and her family went through to be Christians in a Pakistan a country that is mostly Muslim. Can you imagine that? Uh, we were invited to come home with this couple, this uh, family. There was four daughters and a father and a mother. The father had been a driver for the embassy, for the American embassy all of his life, and he was a witness for Jesus. I have never, ever seen people so excited about Jesus in my whole life. It made me feel ashamed. They talked to me about how Jesus had been so much to them, how they had won people who were Muslim to the Lord, how they had won other people to the Lord, and how they always stood, no matter what came their way, they always stood for the Lord. And they would say, my Jesus, my Jesus. And they talked about our young people. These young girls, there was four of them, who gathered around and we were talking. The, oldest, the youngest was 21. And they said, I don't understand the American young people. They don't talk about Jesus. I don't hear words coming from them about Jesus. I want to talk about him every day because of who he is and what he's done for me. Their enthusiasm, their love for Jesus, their wanting to witness for him was amazing. And as I begin to talk to Zenobia, I said, Zenobia, I think I'm going to ask you a question. Would you be willing to be a she-who who witnesses to Muslim ladies? And she said, I will do anything my God wants me to do. Anything. We're going to call it so that we're not labeling. We're going to call it she who witnesses to Eastern ladies. But God has a plan for this. Are we overflowing with Muslim ladies in our churches? Not all of us, but they're here. 
They are here. We are Christians, and we need to witness to them. The power of God is stronger than that power that lies within them that they will go straight to heaven and have all of these rewards if they cut your throat. That's what they've been taught all their life. As I began to talk to Zenobia, she said, because she had introduced me after church, she had introduced me to this lady. This lady had came, the Muslim lady had come to get her, her son prayed for. She had heard that Christians had the power to pray for people and they'd get healed. What about that? Isn't that something? How many of you believe that? How many of you have been healed many times over? Don't we need to reactivate that power? <laughs> Don't we need to claim it in the name of Jesus who has already purchased it for us? Yes. So as I began to talk to this lady, Zenobia was interpreting for me. And Zenobia, I, I had looked at her and I said, all you have to do is believe on Jesus. And she, the lady said, Jesus. Jesus. And Zenobia flipped around to her and she said, don't you call the name of my Jesus without respect. And I thought, oh, don't be so harsh with her. You know, I thought that doesn't seem good. We're, we're used to being congenial in the United States, aren't we? We treat people nice. And I went, like, don't do that. And she went, you must show respect to my Jesus. And the lady started shaking her head. And, you know, and we prayed with them and all this. Well, when I was talking with her later at her house, Zenobia said, you cannot talk to Muslim people nice. She said, their main purpose is to kill you. You need to remember that every day of your life. Even though they may come across to you nice, they want to kill you because then they inherit great rewards. That's false doctrine. We know that's false doctrine. But we need to know that that's false doctrine. And we need to know the attitude that they have. And we need to be able to take authority in the name of Jesus. And if anybody can do it, this girl can. And please keep praying for her. I'll go on with this. Okay, we also have an advisory board. There's 12 members on the advisory board. I'm not giving you names. It would take too long. We have a regional ladies ministries directors board. So far uh, of our regions, nine of those regions have uh, regional ladies ministries directors. There are still three that do not have ladies ministries directors. Please pray for these three regions that someone will be willing to take this job. This is a heavy job. And uh, Sister Frances is the assistant for our region, Sister Frances Woodford. May Ferris is our regional ladies' ministries director. They've got big ideals and big plans. Let's work with them and do what they want us to do so that we can have. We need the best operating region in the whole state, don't we? Exactly, we do. We have <laughs> Shehu Ladies Conference Board, and there has been 24 of the 40 that I want for the state appointed. Uh, I'm looking for 10 from each, dividing the state into four sections, 10 from each one of those sections, so that when we start having ladies' conferences, 
We will have someone to work in each one of those sections. However, those who are on that board can pull from any place and all 40 can come and work if they want to. So what are we she who ladies going to do? Uh, I'm inviting all of the ladies in the Church of God of Prophecy. If you're not in the Church of God of Prophecy, you can be in our ladies' ministries for the state. I want all ladies, your friends, your neighbors, everyone, we're going to let God do the rest. He can do anything. He can draw people who don't even know Jesus to him. I want all of the ladies from ages 13 and up to join me to walk with the Church of God of Prophecy, She Who Ladies of Virginia, in ministry to each other to minister to your families, to minister to the unchurched and all who God sends us and be she-whos who make a difference in this last day's perilous world. We are in the end of time. It's not, we don't have time to play anymore. We've got to get down to business and know what we're facing. You see, Jesus is coming soon. And I'm not saying that lightly. He is coming soon. He is already, I would say, if you could visually see my, my mind and my way of thinking, he's already got his hand on the door to open it. I don't want to lose any of my friends. I don't want any of my family left behind. I don't want some of you who are here this morning and have not made a complete, dedicated decision for the Lord left behind. More than we need to have fun, we need to walk on our knees before God because we are in a perilous situation in our country. We don't have time for wasted time because the end of time is nearer than it's ever been before. I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. My dad pastored a church on the west side. I lived there during the uh, racial riots, the church that was blown up on 16th Street was just blocks from us. It shook our house when that church blew up. I can remember people running up and down our streets. We lived in downtown throwing eggs at our houses, screaming. I remember all of that horrible stuff that's going on. It reminds me a lot of what's going on today, what we're seeing on TV a lot. And you know, all of those people are souls, every one of them. All have a cause, but when our causes become greater in our minds than serving Jesus, we're in trouble. We need to serve Jesus. We need to be witnesses for him. We need to be powerhouses for him. In Luke 4, verses 18 through 19, it says, and this is also recorded in Isaiah 61 and 1, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to give good news to the poor. That's all of us to give good news to the poor. He has sent me to make well those who are brokenhearted, 
to say that the prisoners will be set free and the blind will see and to make the wounded free from their chains, to give knowledge that the year of the Lord's good pleasure, the year of his favor is come. It is come. We may look around us and we may see things that seem disastrous and horrible, but the year of his good pleasure is come. He's still God. He has all of us wrapped up in his arms, and he has not forsaken you. There's going to be greater things, according to his word, greater things than we've ever seen before. You're going to do greater than anyone before you. I heard Brother Clements at the assembly, and he was talking along these same lines, and he said something like, you know, I always wondered what could be greater than parting the water. Now you think about that. If we in our day are going to do greater things, who knows what it will be. But you've got to get down on your knees and make yourself available to God in order to see it. Ladies, we need to minister to our young people. Where they are, the total understanding of who Jesus is and what his, what his sacrificial dying on the cross brings to us needs to be understood by our young people. It is more than just praising him. It is more. That's when his glory comes down. See, I'm of the generation that I've seen the blue mist. How many of you have seen the blue mist? <laughs> How many of you have been knocked down under the spirit and the power of God and you didn't know where you were for a while? How many of you felt the Holy Ghost power as it shook the building? How many of you have felt when God walked in? <laughs> I want to feel that more. And see, there's going to be even greater. Our young people need to know what it's like when Jesus walks in to our services. We can say, oh, we had the best service. We had the best service. And we, we do. I want it every time. I want to be able to walk through the door and feel that God's presence is so strong in the building that I feel like I need to fall on the floor and crawl, literally crawl in. Because his presence is there. His presence is the strength that we need. When Jesus walks into our presence, there's no fear. Absolutely no fear. When Jesus walks in, every hidden secret will be revealed. Everything. Is there anything in your life that you don't want anybody else to know? Get ready, because when we get where God wants us, in order to be able to handle those things that he has talked about in the word that says, you're not prepared to handle it. I would give you more or show you more, but you're not prepared yet. Well, we're going to get prepared. And then be ready. Don't stay home thinking, okay, every secret's going to be revealed. I don't want this one uncovered. 
Now, I will tell you this. It's not going to wait just for that time. I know that when God called me to be the counselor that I am, he began to show me things, things that I had never had happened to me before. I could stand in a congregation and pretty well know what was going on. That's Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit knows everything. We are children of God. All of us have that possibility to be that. He doesn't want to discard anybody because of your past, what you're going through now. He's the great healer. And he will bring you where he wants you to be because he loves you. And he's ready to give you that divine inspiration and draw you unto him and make your life total and anew. Lee, we need to minister to our young people. And I want us to think of that more than ever before because we need to do that. When Jesus walks into our lives, every one of our needs are met. You may not get the Porsche that you want. You may not get every single thing that you've imagined as being glorious and beautiful, but you will be so full of his spirit and so full of him that those things won't seem as important anymore. When Jesus walks in, our storms are calmed. Our young people, and I keep on talking about young people, because in counseling, I hear so many stories. I feel so compassionate toward our young people because the wonderful thrill of falling in love is so different in most of our young people's lives than it was when I was a teenager. It used to be so thrilling for me for Sherwood to just reach over and touch the top of my hand or hold my hand. You know, with young people today, they go straight to what I used to go to after marriage. The romanticism is being taken away from them. It's being stolen from them. They need to know what it's like to be a child of God. What it is like for him to remake you from where you've been and then take it from there and go forward and know that God is going to be with you and he's going to provide for you. When Jesus walks in, the dead are raised. Did you hear me? When Jesus walks in, the dead are raised. How many of you ever seen anybody raised from the dead? I haven't. We have a gentleman who has. Well, prepare yourselves because when this glory of the last day's revival comes, there's no telling what you're going to see. When Jesus walks in, there's healing in his wings. Hallelujah. <laughs> when Jesus walks in, he brings joy and peace and salvation from a doubtful, sinful life, a life that is ready to give up and think nobody cares and I'm not important. Every one of you are important. Every one of you, God has a calling on your life. Satan wants to make you feel unimportant so he can destroy you. You are vital. Vital. 
there's a calling on your life. When Jesus walks in, he brings joy and peace and salvation from a doubtful, sinful life. When Jesus walks in, the demons of hell flee, begging for mercy. Ladies, we need to minister to our overlooked masses. That's the reason for these specialized ministries, these she-who ministries that we're talking about. In every group that we already have organized, there are people, ladies, who are being overlooked. Jesus wants them ministered to. He wants you to be sacrificial in your ministry. He wants them touched. This is the scripture God gave me in those dreams. Our theme scripture of where we get she-who. Luke 1 and 45. Blessed is she-who believes. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were promised her from the Lord. We need the wisdom of God to be upon us. And I think the foundational structure that we need the most is the wisdom of our aged ladies. Why? They know how to pray. They know how to pray and they know how to get results. You see, in their past, they have spent hours and days on their knees before God. Have you ever read of people doing that? Have you ever heard people doing that? I can remember when I was a child, I was a teenager, I used to be awakened in the night by my dad praying. He would pray for hours and cry and moan in the spirit. And me being a young teenager, I would be in the bed praying, oh God, please let him stop because he's hurting so bad. I can't stand to hear him suffering so much. But he was calling down the army of God out of heaven for different ones of the members, different people who needed an answer from God. God is still on the throne, but he wants to hear from us. And we need to spend more time in prayer than we ever have before. You see, these, these war room ladies, when they put their feet on the floor in the morning, the demons begin to run for safety because they're so full of the power of God and they're such a threat to him. You don't have to worry about Satan when you're a child of God full of the Spirit. You don't have to worry because they're going to run from you. In our five established categories of specialized ministries, we need to become mentors to teach and to walk with others in believing, to accomplish our set goals of reaching, holding, and recovering all of the people that we want to see come back into the doors of the church. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the doors of the church. Let them have service in their houses wherever they want to have it. But you know what? If you really get full, you're going to want to do, as the Word says, gather yourselves together. Because that makes for a strong army when we are gathered together, working as one. Just like Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is spoken of in this scripture that we have as our theme. 
Everybody, as I have said many times this morning, everyone that was created by God has a special calling and a purpose upon your life. You may not have found it yet. You may think that you don't have anything to do. You have no talents. Well, that's not right. And you're really bucking against God. Because just because your talent is not to be up here and be in the praise team doesn't mean you don't have talents. There's something that God gave you that you are a specialist at. That may be cooking, ladies. My mom was one of, she was known as the chef of Alabama <laughs> in the Church of God of Prophecy because people, all of the state workers would gather at our house because they loved to eat her food. And my dad always had a rotund tummy. <laughs> and it was wonderful, delicious. But you know what I'm saying is, you've all got something special that God has given you to do. It's our responsibility here on this earth to seek and fulfill that calling that God has on our life. Satan sends deterrence to detour you from even wanting to find what that calling is. Yet when we walk with each other, in strength and power that's given by God, we can then enable each other to find that special purpose or that position where we fit into that body of Christ. And then we can become that God power force in that beehive. And when every one of those bees get together and they go forth, how many of you are afraid of bees? I am. <laughs> My father-in-law raised them, and he would put, he could go out and change everything without even anything on. He tried to train my son Zane to do that. Zane's strapped up with all of the nets and all of this stuff, and somehow the bees found their way inside the net. It was not a pretty sight. <laughs> so we, as children of God, need to be ready to do those things that he will have us to do. God will enable every one of us to walk with each other, to find our callings and to put those callings into service. He's given us authority. He's promised that. He's given us authority in the name of Jesus. How do you recognize authority? It's a shift in responsibility where you may have been very shy, very meek. Uh, I've heard the story all my life how my dad was, uh, was a very shy man. And the, when he got saved, the power of God came upon him, and he would shout all over the place, and then he would be led up to the pulpit and preach a sermon. And he had never even been raised in a church. They'd never gone to church. When the power of God gets on you, you can do anything. There's nothing that's impossible with him. How do we recognize authority? I want you to think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, how she shifted in her responsibility. If you think of Mary, Mary was between the ages of 12 to 14. Many scholars say she was 12 years old when she had Jesus. Can you imagine that? That's our reason for opening up the ages to 13 and up because big things can happen from our young ladies. Things that impact the whole world 
Mary knew when she found out that she was going to have Jesus, she knew that she had to walk her belief. So do we. It's easy to say, I believe in Jesus. Now I'm going to sit down and I'm going to be complacent and I'm not going to do anything because that's my personality. But if God has got a calling on you like he had on my dad, you've got to be willing to say, Lord, take me and use me to do whatever you would have me to do. And it will amaze you how he will use you. Mary suffered ridicule. She suffered threats, loss of future husband. So do we. We may lose some things, but just like he did with Job, he gave Job more than he had before. Things that were better for him. She was willing because she had come face to face with the calling for her life. And this is your question, ladies. Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to come face to face with the calling for your life? What kind of she who was Mary? Mary stood when the battle was rough. It wasn't easy being the most favored among women. It wasn't easy being the mother of the Messiah. Dealing with sibling rivalry when she already had an older son who was the most perfect child on earth. Now, I know all of us think ours is, but he really was. It wasn't easy watching her child being beaten and whipped and abused and crucified on the cross, yet she was willing because it was her calling. Do you think, like is in that song, Mary, did you know? Do you think that Mary knew that her son would one day walk on water? Do you think that she knew that he would one day save our sons and daughters? Do you think that she knew he was going to make her new? Do you think that she knew that this child that she delivered would one day deliver her? Do you think she knew those things? Do you think she knew that he actually came from heaven to earth and that he had actually walked where angels had tried? Do you think she knew he was the Lord of creation? <laughs> Did you think that she knew that he would one day rule the nation? Do we really know that? You see, he caused the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to weep, the dumb to speak, and he brought praises over what he did. 
Ladies, I'm asking you this morning, and I know this is a challenge, and I know you would love to hear me say, oh, we're going to have so much fun, ladies. We're going to have teas, and we may, and we're going to have retreats, and we're going to have pajama parties, and we're going to do this and that, and we may, and we're going to have fun, and we're going to eat a lot, and we're going to talk a lot, and we're going to, yeah, we may do that, but the most important thing that we can do is be she who's who believe that Jesus promised us and is going to deliver. That's the greatest thing that we can do. I'm asking you ladies, what kind of she who are you? What kind of she who do you want to be? Think of where he brought you from. What kind of she who were you before then? Now, what kind of she-who can you be for him? That's what I'm asking you. There is nothing that is impossible with God. Absolutely nothing. In counseling for 30 years, I have seen lady, I have one lady uh, who has over 100 personalities. Um, some of them can speak so so um, fluent, such fluent English using every word in the dictionary almost until it makes me feel intimidated to talk to this person. Some of them are evil. Some of them are little children. And I know the doubt that many people have when they've never witnessed this, but I've witnessed it so many times before because I have plenty, I have many DID clients, multiple personalities comes under that dissociative identity disorder. But I can also tell you this, I've seen Jesus deliver and come in. I remember with one session, and I'm not telling you anything that I don't have permission to tell. And I just talked to this lady this week. She held a high position at the uh, university in Charlottesville. There were times when she would be curled in a corner in her big office and calling me because she, her personalities would be in a battle one would do one job, one does another job. They, they compartmentalize because the abuse that they have been through causes them to not be able to function as a person unless they compartmentalize. And then those compartments begin to take names. So that is how multiple personalities form. But these, these that did the job had band together and were not giving her information on how to operate her job. She didn't even know what to do. She was one of the children. This sounds, it sounds crazy to us. you got to be there to know about this. Um, and so I started praying over the telephone. And I threatened them in the name of the Holy Ghost. And I said, if you don't, if you don't let her go, I'm sending a band of angels inside. I'm commanding in the name of Jesus a band of angels to go in 
and to release those that you have captivated inside. Well, I didn't know if it was going to work, and I'm thinking it was Holy Spirit that was saying that instead of me <laughs> because I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. But because they understood all of this, they released her, released the ones, and let her go. And I thought, wow. You see, Holy Spirit knows more about things than we do. There is no battle that you can go up against that he cannot help you with and bring deliverance and bring the power of God inside. He will help us. So there's nothing that's not impossible with God. He is the great almighty enabler. Mary believed, and she walked that belief, and her determination was enabled by our, her faith. We've got to have faith in God in order to believe. We've got to have faith in him first. Then we've got to trust him. When she did this, she became that most favored among women because of her belief and her obedience of yielding to God for his plan for her life. Then what did God do? He gave her a man. He didn't give her an old man. He didn't give, I mean, he didn't give her a new man. He gave her the old man. He gave her Joseph, but he was made new because he came to visit Joseph. And Joseph's thoughts of running off and leaving her changed. And he came back and he supported her. God will take care of everything. God knew that two people walking together are much better than one. Just like it says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, two are better off than one, for they can help each other to succeed. If one falls and the other can reach out and help them, then they will succeed. But if one falls and there's nobody there, then they're in real trouble. We want to see our families, our loved ones, our acquaintances, everyone brought to Jesus. We want them to have the joy of serving the Lord in their heart that we have in ours. But to have this happen, it's going to take us coming out of our complacency, ministering to more than just ourselves, sacrificing ourselves by ministering to the presented needs around us, presenting the good news of the gospel as ministering good news, the needs present in today's world need this. Welcoming our teens back and training our teens in how to minister. We need training as how to work in the altar. People need to know when this need is in the altar, what to tell them, how to direct them what scripture they need in order to know that God can meet that need so that they have hope over what is consuming them. In order to have all that we pray for, we must prepare ourselves through training. And yes, that's what I want to see us do, ladies. That would be in another one of our stages, training ourselves to be able to meet the needs that come to us. We need spiritual growth also. And we need to open our doors, inviting the supernatural intervention from God, from the Father, from God the Son, and from God the Holy Ghost. Because if we don't have his supernatural intervention, there's no method or no training that is going to work. 
Then he is going to send his blessings. He's promised. And he's going to do it. And it's going to be over our lives and over all of those that we come in contact with. We can all become living examples of Jesus walking here on this earth. That's what we are to be. We're here for a reason. We're here to touch others with the favor of his presence. But you've got to have his presence about you. You've got to know that he's there. People feel his presence when they know it's around you. There is an aura all around you of his presence when he's walking with you. And that is not just for who we consider to be the most popular, the most faithful. It's for everyone. Everyone. Because I've seen people become saved, sanctified, and baptized with Holy Spirit at the same altar setting. And when that happens, his presence is upon you. And he will use you from that moment forward. So let's get full. Let's learn to walk on our knees before him. No, don't neglect him. Let's be ready to meet that presence of the Lord when he's coming to use us. How many of you are willing to be those shehus that the Lord is going to use? Raise your hands. Yes. Just ask him to be. Ask him to help you to be a shehu ready for the master's service. All ladies, come up here in the front. I want to get your picture so that we can put it on Facebook. If you have anything that you need to talk to me about, I want to be here and be available for you, so I will be here for a little while afterward. And I want to thank you again for allowing me to come. And I'm expecting big things to happen from the Huddleston Church of God of Prophecy because you're already up and rolling. Come on up. Just be coming on up.